discourse about health insurance has become so politicized that very few address policy with neutral objectivity. When legislators judge every reform in terms of whether it protects or threatens Obamacare, the people are bound to lose. Previously, I served as the executive director of a health policy nonprofit called Vermonters for Healthcare Freedom. During this time, I had the opportunity to sink my teeth into the convoluted, complicated health insurance and healthcare systems of Vermont. After graduating from high school, I studied medicine in an MBBS degree program. The MBBS is a first professional degree in medicine and surgery that is awarded upon graduation from medical school in countries that follow the tradition of the United Kingdom. So it should be understood as the British equivalent of the USMD degree. I did not want to pursue a career in medicine, so I did not take the US medical licensing exams and I didn't complete a residency. However, I did train in medicine for four and a half long, hard years, and so that puts me in an informed position to untangle health policy. In this episode, we look at how Vermont legislators and administrators serve ideology rather than the individual when it comes to all things healthcare. Obamacare, or the Affordable Care Act, contains critical design inequities that need to be corrected, such as the individual mandate. The mandate hurts vulnerable segments of the population and was unpopular with two-thirds of the American public. This is why Congress eliminated the penalty associated with the mandate in December 2017. But a number of Democrat-controlled state legislatures have sought to resurrect the mandate at the state level. Last May, Vermont passed a law requiring citizens to buy health insurance or face a penalty. Lawmakers postponed finalizing the nature of the penalty until last November, that is, after the election, by which time a working group was expected to have decided on imposing a tax or some other enforcement mechanism for non-compliance. Early in the 2019 legislative session, the House Healthcare Committee decided that a tax-based penalty ought to be imposed on Vermonters who can't afford health insurance, a decision that surprised no one. But then Republican Governor Phil Scott had a change of heart, and he announced that he would veto an income tax-based penalty on Vermonters who could not afford to buy health insurance. And his statement effectively killed the tax penalty. So now the state of Vermont has no means to enforce its mandatory insurance law. So our taxpayer dollars are financing the salaries of our legislators who dance around in circles making much ado about nothing. To make matters worse, they are often wrong about fundamental facts regarding health policy. Vermont lawmakers, Democrat and Republican, maintain that an individual mandate is integral to paying for those with pre-existing conditions. This is inaccurate. Obamacare subsidies, for which 85% of persons on the exchange qualify, pay for the health expenses of Americans with pre-existing conditions. 
whereas the mandate concentrates these costs on a niche demographic. The mandate penalizes individuals with an annual income between $10,000 and $50,000, people without employer-based health insurance, like small business owners, and those juggling multiple part-time jobs, typically younger people, disproportionately paid the penalty when the federal mandate was in place. When premiums and out-of-pocket costs greatly exceed the penalty, many forego health coverage. Census data shows that Americans aged between 25 and 34 years form the largest uninsured group. Now, some might argue that younger people do not purchase insurance because they are healthy, but a 2016 Harris poll indicates that they increasingly cannot afford it. Pro-mandate advocates also contend that it will keep the number of uninsured low. In fact, studies demonstrate that the federal mandate had no discernible impact on the proportion of uninsured Americans. Finally, sponsors of the Vermont mandate say that it will stop wealthy persons who deliberately shun coverage from free-riding the system when they fall ill. This is another inaccurate claim because free-riding accounts for a mere 0.67% of national health care expenditures. However, all these facts will ultimately fall on deaf ears because, like old habits, bad bills die hard in the state of Vermont. So, don't be surprised if Montpelier resurrects this inequitable system of taxing Vermonters who can't afford to purchase health coverage come 2021 if a Democrat unseats Phil Scott. If those who run the state of Vermont were interested in serving individuals and not ideology, they would see cost-effective alternatives to the mandate exist. One, we can offer slim-down plans with low premiums for catastrophic coverage to incentivize the young and healthy to remain in the insurance pool. And two, we can create separate high-risk pools to focus greater subsidies toward the tailored medical care of Americans with pre-existing conditions. Maine operates a very successful invisible high-risk pool, which could serve as a wonderful model for Vermont. We can look after society's most vulnerable without arbitrarily taxing some and depriving all of the freedom to choose. A 2008 Obama campaign mailer sums it up well. Punishing families who can't afford health care to begin with just doesn't make sense. And that concludes today's wonky episode. Write to me at megpodcast at gmail.com. You can listen to the podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash writing VT. You can also reach me on my Facebook page, Dialogues with Meg Hansen. New podcast episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. I'm Meg Hansen, and you've been listening to Writing What's Left.